Hello, and welcome to the Winner Winner Podcast. I am Robin, your host. And I am Arjuna, your other host. All right, man. So this is going to be an interesting show today. We kind of have just a grab bag of miscellaneous items to talk about and the kind of usual little elements of the show where we'll talk about some weapons, some places. We're going to hit the QBU, Paradise Resort, and then some other miscellaneous topics about the current PUBG world and things that me and Arjuna have been up to. So, yeah, man. What's up first, Arjuna? So, first of all, you may have noticed that the intro music is different for this podcast. And so sweet. Yeah, and uh, that is because we have been talking with awesome house music producer Spiffy Man. I actually posted one of his tracks in our Music I'm Listening To channel in our Discord, and... He's just a really cool guy producing really good music. And um, yeah, name is Spiffy Man. You can find his music on YouTube and we'll put a link to all of that in the show notes. But yeah, we'll be just showing off some of his repertoire over the next little while. That Yeah, I'm really stoked that he's letting us do that. Yeah. Yep. I was digging the moody indie vibe for a while, but I'm, I'm definitely ready for this. The Spiffy Man's got great stuff, so I'm really stoked that he's letting us use it for the show yeah robin and i just had a, a talk recently about you know we'd like to use our show to feature some more interesting music so we're going to be keeping our ears out for that and uh i'm i'm excited about it so thanks to gazelles really appreciate your tenure on the show and uh wishing them the very best let's just get stuck in here dude Ooh. wanted to give some patreon shout outs to uh we had jay gave us a very generous one-time donation this past week is that a cowboy or yeah dallas cowboy yeah that's dallas cowboy oh, yeah that was awesome so yeah that was really cool of you thanks so much it's really going to help us get the equipment that we need big thanks to kevin as well regular contributor in our discord who uh also became a patron this week so thanks so much guys awesome. really appreciate that all right so that brings us to the question of the week, our Patreon question of the week. If you want to have your own question of the week, you can become a Patreon su supporter and submit your own. And we'll blabber at length <laughs> in your honor. Yes, that is our promise to you. <laughs> What's the question, Arjuna? All right. So the question is, my question would be about the monitor feature that adds a crosshair to your screen. Mm -hmm. My mechanical skill is not bad, but I need to get in the habit of keeping my camera head level and get better at headshots. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me, that was a burp. <laughs> the crosshair helps you keep focused on the center of the screen, which is the hardest thing, you know, not forgetting to keep it head level. In short, do you think the feature is cheese, or is it a feature designed to help you improve? That's making me hungry. So I, I had a small conversation with uh, Talking High Def about this question. And I actually have this feature on my monitor, so... Mm. Can you expl like explain it to us or yeah, describe it? Yeah, exactly. So basically the idea is that you, you go in your monitor settings and you turn on the crosshair feature and it literally just permanently superimposes a crosshair right in the middle of your screen. Mm. And the assumption is that in any given game that you're playing that the crosshair in that game is always going to be dead center in your screen as well. Mm -hmm. And so the monitor is banking on that crosshair being pointed at the same spot that your in-game crosshair would be. Mm -hmm. The difference is that the crosshair on the monitor is just like fat and really visible. And, and is there all the time? It's there all the time. Yeah. And it's going to be covering up everything under it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of 
I don't know, like, I can definitely see how it could be beneficial in certain games. Like, here's an example. The pistol crosshairs in PUBG are not, they're not very crosshairy, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it, they make it hard on purpose to really pinpoint where you're aiming. And it's possible that your bullets just doesn't go right where it's pointed anyway. Mm -hmm. But the idea of this crosshair would be to really give you that pinpoint all the time in every view. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting idea. I think that it's a bit cheesy, though, because it's, it's like an out-of-the-game feature and I think that it is... I could see people making an argument that it gives you an unfair advantage. So... I, I would give the opposite argument. Oh, you think so? I don't think that this is going to help anybody, to be honest. No? No, not, not in PUBG. I don't know about other games. Um, I think in a game where precision doesn't matter, it might work. But the, the ones that I looked up online were kind of large and th- could potentially obscure a lot of detail right in the middle of your screen so mm-hmm. i guess my it really depends on how much space it's taking up and whether or not it has a hundred percent opacity or is it meaning yeah. is it trans is it like 50 percent transparent no can you see through it if you can't see no. through it i think that's a huge drawback um i've i've noticed in various games that i play including r6 and PUBG, that I will often, if I'm, say, um, holding a peak and aiming down sights at where I expect somebody to be, I sometimes don't even put, like, a red dot or a hollow right at where I expect them because I don't want to obscure where they could peak. Right. Right? And I'll, I, ex- I am anticipating shifting my cursor to that point where they're peaking at the last second, which is, you know, I've only noticed this habit of mine recently, and I'm not sure that it's a good habit, but... I want to see every pixel about where I'm looking and I don't want to obscure that with a sight sometimes. And so I might aim right below. And I've seen this when I watch other people too, that that is kind of an unconscious thing, maybe a conscious thing that that people do so that they can see really clearly. Mm. And the idea of having a superimposed crosshair that's completely opaque and kind of bulky on my game is like, hell no. Think about sniping with like an 8X. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) You try to, like, pick out some pixels peeking a tree. I don't know. No, I agree. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that, at first, it seems like a cool idea, but as soon as you, like, get into actually using it, it just starts to get in the way. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know, if it does give you a sizable advantage, then I feel like it's moving into the cheating territory. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm sure that as soon as you went to play a tournament or something, you just get laughed out of there if you're using something like that. Right. You know, which doesn't, like, you know, I wouldn't deign to put down anyone who's just playing at home and having fun and feels like the crosshair would help them. Yeah. And I think talking high def is talking here more about, um, like, using it as a training tool rather than necessarily, like, trying to get a permanent edge in the game. So if it would help for that purpose, then I think it's fine to use. Mm -hmm. But I would be concerned with both of the points. One, that it gives you an unfair advantage. And two, that it is actually obscuring parts of your screen and so therefore also giving you a disadvantage. Yeah. All right. So PUBG already has a hipfire crosshair as part of the game. Yeah. Now, it's not always enabled, right? 
it's conditional. Right. So, for example, when you're sprinting, it's not there. So, if you're sprinting and looking at a hill where you expect someone to peek, say, it, you know, you won't be able to use it. You'll just have to aim the middle of your screen at it. But from there, I'm actually not sure when it gets enabled. I know if you're standing completely still, it's there. I, th- I think if you're walking, it's also there. Is that right? Do you know, Arjuna? Yeah, the crosshair does stay when you walk. It right. only disappears when you run. Okay, so yeah. it's not the biggest crosshair in the world, but I think that if a player is being conscientious about it, which I have become more conscientious about it over time and where I'm I'm placing it, and even trying to, say, like, quick scope, I'll try to line it up with somebody before I aim as much as I can. Yeah. Um when I think about it, I don't always. And I think that's that's the takeaway for me on this question is it just, it, it pays off to be aware of that crosshair and to use it. Mm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, yeah, it's actually one of the reasons why these days uh, I'm less inclined to crouch run and I've been crouch walking more. And I do this in situations where I'm expecting some, you know, to get in a fight very momentarily mm-hmm. um, because it keeps my gun up and it keeps my crosshair up. And I feel like it, there's that real, you know, fraction of a second difference mm. that I think gets you the edge sometimes. You know, it might get you one more bullet hitting. And it reduces your sound, which is the main reason I do it. Yeah, totally. And I haven't noticed a massive difference between crouch run speed and crouch walk speed either. Like, it's not as dramatic in my perception as it is between, like, stand walking and stand running. Mm -hmm. So, Hmm. you're right. The crosshair awareness is kind of one of those things that we often take for granted. But once you start focusing on it more, you Mm -hmm. can really get an edge. Right. Yeah. Now, I will put in, um, just talking about crouch walking, obviously you're more vulnerable when you're crouch walking because someone can easily burst fire you Yeah. when you're doing that or even maybe pull off a headshot. And something I've been thinking about is either alternating between sprint and run, kind of like two seconds on, two seconds off, um, or just walking, standing, and then crouch for two seconds and then stand for two seconds but just walking. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, there's different ways you can do it, but basically both of them make your movement a little bit less consistent and therefore you're a harder target. Yeah. And you're getting some of the the benefits of being slow, like like you were saying, faster aiming and having that crosshair and also um, lower volume periodically too. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I hope that answers your question, talking high def. I would say, you know, if you have that feature and you're interested to try it out, go ahead and let us know what your thoughts are. I would love to see... I guess it wouldn't even show up on Shadowplay. No. Oh, that's too bad. No, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, really want to see someone play with, like, a huge, bulky, like, neon (laughs) crosshair on their screen. (laughs) Oh, okay, I have to mention this. I just Googled monitor crosshair yeah to get some examples because i didn't really know what these actually looked like and my favorite example that i found was somebody who had tied string like <laughs> no tied a vertical way. string through the mi- middle of their monitor and then a horizontal <laughs> string and uh, that's you know i'm a diy kind of guy so that 
my monitor doesn't have crosshairs anyway, so I would definitely be doing the string thing if I wanted to try it. Dude. I just thought that was awesome. I know what you'll be doing after this podcast, right? Or better yet, man, to get some, like, fishing line and then, Ooh. like, a transparent plastic reticle, like a, like a colored one or something you can put in the middle. And you could even put, like, a, a fishing lure on it, you know, mm-hmm. just to help you get those kills. And maybe even one with, like, a pretty big hole in the middle, like a centimeter yeah. wide, so that... You're not actually covering up anything with it. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, we just have arrows pointing to the middle, mm-hmm. just in case you got lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you have it. That's our Patreon question of the week. This segment could be yours for the small price of however much you would like to donate to our show. And actually, a one perk that we're giving out to our Patreon members this week is that we got given some t-shirts for the pgi tournament which is happening right now these are keys in-game keys that you redeem to download your special pgi shirt by the time you're listening to this we will have offered them to our patrons so this is just another benefit that you can get on our show from becoming a patron i haven't even seen them yet have you yeah i I redeemed mine in the game what's it look like yeah you know okay this stuff's not designed for me clearly but it just looks like a regular beige t-shirt with a level three helmet on it that uh, no words i mean i think it has words on it but that's small okay like in in the game when you're shooting someone in the face you're not going to be like able to read their shirt yeah all right clearly they weren't giving away free money here (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not selling these very well but some people, you know, some people are really excited about this stuff. And it is a limited edition thing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, not very many people are going to have these, so... Yeah. So, yeah, we have 15 each, and I think you and I will each redeem one, so that leaves 28 to kind of give away. Oh, uh, I, well, I never received mine, so we only you have didn't? the one. No. <laughs> oh, no. So we only have the ones that they gave you. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. so we only have 14 to give it. Well, 13, since yeah. you redeemed one. Yeah. I'll probably, you know what, I don't even want mine. So we have 14 to give away. (laughs) But some people will be stoked, you know? So if you're the kind of person who's stoked about this, then you'll be stoked. Mm -hmm. Tautological statements are tautological. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about PGI coming up here in current events in PUBG. But I just wanted to say we were planning to give some of these away on our custom games night on Tuesday, because that's when we got them. But we had server maintenance. And so instead, we ended up playing a game, which is like one of my pet video games. Okay, Robin, you know how like... Were you the one that got us into this game? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm convinced that I'm like the sole reason anyone ever plays this game anymore, because (laughs) no one ever has heard about it. So what it is, is it's called T-Worlds, T-E-E Worlds, all one word. And it's a free game on Steam, and it's an open source game. Wow. And it runs on all kinds of platforms. But basically, it's it's really simple. It's like an arena shooter, like Quake, Quake Arena, or Unreal Tournament. It's like a death match, but it's 2D. That's an interesting initial way to describe it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, you, you don't think that that's a good comparison? Oh, keep, keep going, keep going. Well, okay, but it's so it's in 2D. So imagine like a side scrolling platformer, which is also an arena deathmatch. Yes. It's Unreal meets Mario. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or someone compared it to Worms, which I think mm-hmm. was a good comparison. Yeah. So, like, imagine a mashup between Unreal Tournament and Worms. And the action's pretty high paced. It's definitely a Twitch shooter 
Um, it definitely uses a lot of the sk same skill set that an arena shooter does. And you have like a typical weapons, you have like a rocket launcher and a shotgun. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know what else is in there. Oh, it has a laser gun, mm -hmm. like a rail gun, which does a lot of damage. I found the game challenging. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely... You could start playing it and be like, oh, this game's super gimmicky. But then, like, you'll get owned pretty hard with some by someone and you'll realize how much skill is involved. Yep. Especially since the game has grappling hooks, which you use to, like, pull yourself towards walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a surprising amount of things you can do with the hooks. Like, you can use them to pull you up from a jump. Mm -hmm. You can dangle from a ceiling with one. Mm -hmm. Like, you can, can stick you them in the wall. Can you shoot while using it? Yes, you okay. can. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And another thing you can do is you can use your melee weapon, which is like a big hammer. It's like one of those... It's like a massive wooden mallet. And another fun thing you can do is that you can grappling hook another player and pull them towards you. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep. And so you get into like these mallet death matches where you're both trying to grappling hook <laughs> each other and mallet <laughs> each other. And on one of our games, one of the games actually has like a, you know, like a death hole, like in Mario, where if you fall down it, you're dead. And one of the players in our game kept on just trying to like grappling hook people and pull them down into the hole. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, this is surprisingly deep game and it's it's fun for about 45 minutes or an hour. That's usually about as long as I can play it for. Mm -hmm. But I think T-Worlds is super dope and it's free and it'll run on any PC. I mean, like any PC. So, you know, if you're like one of our Xbox players and you don't play on PC because your computer's too slow, you can play this on PC. You can also play it on the Mac. You can play it on Linux. Mm -hmm. So um, it was fun. I think if we get, if enough people are interested in it, we could actually get some T-Worlds events going on, which mm -hmm. would basically just complete my life. Is there a single player mode? No, oh. no it's multiplayer only. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was cool. So I think we should just maybe stop doing our podcast about PUBG and just switch it to a T-Worlds T-Worlds podcast yeah. so my big ultimate fantasy with this is that someone like Shroud or Dr. Disrespect <laughs> would end up playing it on their stream and then all of a sudden it'd be like a T-Worlds uh, renaissance funny and I think this is the kind of game that like it was an open source game and so it was just developed for free by it was like a passion project mm. and I think that if it like got any kind of traction in the world of competitive gaming or streaming, then we could see a lot more development get put into it, and it could turn into a really cool game. Hmm. So, anyway, that's my fantasy, and I won't lie, that's, like, part of the ulterior motive I wanted to make this podcast, was that I just secretly wanted to, like, seed T-Worlds yeah, into the really, gaming Yeah, you're really culture. running with this. I kind of made a joke the other day that we should dedicate a whole show to it. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, okay. I don't think people realize how into this game I am. <laughs> so, but it's just like, you know how everyone has their pet game, you know? And everyone else is like, uh, whatever, man, you mm -hmm. know? Like, I guess Candy Crush is a fun game for you. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of what T-Wells is like for me. Let's 
talk about some current events in PUBG, Robin. All right. Looks like analog movement is being implemented for Xbox. It means that in-game movement is commensurate to how hard you push on the control stick. Right. So... Well, it wasn't like that before? No, it's so it's kind of this like a classic distinction between analog and digital is that digital is like on off, right? Right. And analog is like on a spectrum between on and off. Wow. And so, yeah, if you think about this, like think about the PC version. Right, right. You know, you basically just have like walking on all walking. Right, right. Because you hit W or you're not hitting W. Yeah. There's yeah. no like half hitting W and yeah. like half speed. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it, you know, it takes you a moment to like get up to speed, but right. you can't, you know, like, so this is the cool thing about a controller is that you could just like hold it very gently in a direction. I like that a lot. Yeah, exactly. So that would actually allow the Xbox players to do something that the PC players cannot do. That's, you know, okay. Yeah. Don't rub it in. <laughs> They finally get something on us, we've, man. We've been a, ahead of them in so many ways. Yeah, so. no, it's this is a it's a big difference. Go ahead and rub it in, actually. Just the sick rubbins, man. So it. chicken dinner for Xbox players. Um, I mean, of course, this is all assuming that PUBG Corp implements it properly. I'm sure that seems like a pretty easy thing. I mean, well-established oh. pattern in, in games. But we have said that many a time in the past now, haven't we? <laughs> I bet Microsoft publishes, like, how to do this for your game. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that's a big level up for the Xbox. I mm -hmm. look forward to hearing about how sick that actually is. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I kind of, I, I've been just spamming W instead of holding it. Right, right. Like, you just kind of tap it. You have to. It's called pulse width modulation. <laughs> yep. Okay. So. Nice. Yeah. Getting mathy on it. <laughs> so uh, let's also talk about. We mentioned this earlier that the PGI, the PUBG Global Invitational, is happening as we speak, Robin. So this is the biggest. PUBG tournament that has been held yet and there's a purported two million dollars in prize money we should heist it we do we should dude mm -hmm. yeah or we should just win it i, I mean I it's really what we should do <laughs> i think it i think the first person stuff starts this friday yes it's not too late and then the third person stuff is already over it right. looks like gold clan or somebody won it mm-hmm so I haven't been following it at all. I might follow the first-person stuff because I'm just yeah. a lot more interested in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and so what we're planning to do is, whether we watch it live or not, we're planning to watch this event. And next week, we're going to devote a show to just talking about like the pro scene and talking about pro plays that we've noticed and mm -hmm. strategy. Yeah, this should it should be very educational for me. Yeah. Because I haven't watched really any live pro footage, hardly mm -hmm. any live footage at all, even recorded. So yeah, I, I kind of am looking forward to it. I'm hoping it's interesting to watch and that there's not a lot of dead time between matches and um, that, that the viewing that they do is good. So I know they yeah. worked a lot on that, on making the spectating and observation uh, worthwhile, but we'll see. Yeah, people in our Discord community have been saying that they've upped, upped the ante mm -hmm. recently around that. Good. Because, yeah, it did suck. Like, it really did. It was hard to watch some of those older tournaments. Like, 
you know, you'd, you'd miss all of the action. By the time they got the camera where it needed to be, the fight was over. And, mm. you know, it was, it was hectic. And, I mean, let's face it, like, it is just a really hard challenge to solve to make, like, a hundred-person battle arena an exciting thing to watch on camera right. in real time. Yeah. You well, it's not, a, it's not professional sports where you have timeouts all the time. Right. And this downtime where you can do a replay. Right. I kind of wonder if, if they're sophisticated enough to do an, a replay feature. It wouldn't work well if you stopped live coverage. But if let's say you minimize live coverage to like a, a little window that took up most of the corner of like the bottom right part of the screen, and then you showed like a really important replay that might not have been caught from the perspective, the main perspective, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of possibilities for how they could do it. I mean, yeah, because I mean, there's no way they're going to catch everything. No, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, and it's. If you think about professional sports as well, they often, you know, I mean, who knows how many camera angles they're working at any given time, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's like, it must be like more than 10, right? It's probably like in the 20s or even the 30s. Mm -hmm. um, different video cameras they have all over the field and, you know, they have people roaming and stuff like that. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that will hopefully be possible in the future of PUBG mm -hmm. uh, or just esports in general. But it is, it's an interesting problem to solve, so I'm curious to see how they've done it in this tournament. Yeah. So yeah, we, we'll get back to you on that one. I'm kind of excited to just dip into the pro scene. It's not really something we talk about on the show, but I could see us heading in that direction under certain conditions. Right. I mean, I'm running out of my own insights, honestly, about the game. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it might be time for us to start watching people in the pro scene and seeing what we can glean from them yeah because i whenever i do watch stuff like that i do i do find just from watching people like shroud and people like that i definitely glean a lot from being an observer yeah because it is hard to observe when you're participating that's very true it's hard mm -hmm. to be both a participant and an observer at the same time quantum physics ladies and gentlemen <laughs> oh, no i'm just oh, kidding i don't baby. know shit about that Cool, so those are current events. Why don't we talk about our weapon highlight for the week? We spoke about the QBU a little bit last week, and I just wanted to touch base on it again mm -hmm. now that we've both had a chance to play with it. So, Robin, what are your thoughts about using the QBU? I mean, fundamentally, it's a DMR. So there's things about it that, personally, I haven't fallen in love with. Mm, okay. um, it has a little more heft, which is uh, just the way it feels. So breaking it down, it affects your movement speed. It's slightly noticeable, not that noticeable. Aiming down sight is slower, and the recoil is, is heavier than you're going to get out of an AR or out of an SMG. And so both of those things, given that it's only on Sandhook, and I don't do a lot of long-range battles on Sandhook anyway... It's like, it was a gun I was stoked to try, and I like it as far as DMRs go, but I'm still feeling it out. I mm. like it, mm -hmm. but I haven't gotten, like, a ton of great plays with it. That's, that's my first read. How about you? Man, I love it. Yeah? And I basically love it because I feel like it's filling in the spot that the SKS used to be for me. Mm. For me, this is like a pre-nerf SKS, and... 
So I'm really excited about that. I never really liked the Mini anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a fine gun. I'm not saying it's not good, mm-hmm. but I just didn't fall in love with it. And I really did with the SKS back before it sucked so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll use the SKS these days still, but it's only because I don't have anything better to be doing with that weapon slot. Mm-hmm. The QBU kind of fills that spot really nicely for me. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that it definitely it does noticeably more damage than the mini. I feel like it takes one less shot on average to kill people with mm-hmm. it. Okay, and that that's a pretty big deal, yeah. like especially at range. Yeah, I notice it. It's the gun I want when people haven't seen me yet. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's it's well-behaved enough that you can spam with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not as stable as the Mini, mm-hmm. but it's also not as unruly as, like, an SKS or an SLR. True. So... I think that's going to be my goal this week, is trying to spam with it as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And maybe even doing, when possible, a, a double QBU loadout, which actually should be fairly possible. Yeah. Um, so do like one with the scope and one with the red dot and just try to use it all the time and see if I can get some spammy kills with it. Um, yeah. Because lately, I think the... I'm just going to rave a little bit here about the vector. Oh, yeah. That's man. been my jam for the last week. And yeah. it is so fun. Like, I think QBU and vector actually go really well it's together. It's a really good combo. Yep. Yeah. And it's just... I love the spray with that vector it's amazing extended vector is just the best thing that's happened to me this week <laughs> <laughs> it's i love it yeah i can confirm that so robin and i played a pretty lengthy session the other night and robin got there were three times when he wiped out both members of a duo with his vector mm-hmm. and it was pretty epic yeah so just a reminder one of the reasons it's easy to do that you would think that with the how fast it is to go through a magazine that it's not good for going up against multiples but it works because the reload speed especially with a quick draw is super fast Mm. i I don't know right off the top of my head how quickly but it's under two seconds yeah and so it's a little over a second faster than an ar reload and maybe even more for a, a dmr reload so lightning fast like next time you have an smg pay attention to how long it takes you to swap a mag it's almost negligible it's amazing yeah so uh getting back to the qbu though um (laughs) no i i agree the vector is dope it's it's really good use it but the the qbu i just think that it fills a nice spot for me that i feel like was a bit missing for a while which is kind of like the mid-powered DMR. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's nice that it takes the 5.56 ammunition. And they've also, I think they've recognized that it is in some ways a bit better than the Mini, or definitely more powerful than the Mini. And so they've nerfed it by giving it a 10-bullet magazine instead of the 20 that you get with the Mini. Mm-hmm. So, again, like the SKS, to really get your mileage out of this weapon, you're going to want to put an extended mag in it. Yes. I think this is a good gun. I think it's a really powerful gun. I've gotten a lot of kills with it. I've gotten killed by it a lot. That bullet speed, the 990 bullet velocity, is just 
amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes it quite easy to tap people out of range. Yeah, I wonder if I'm leading too much with it. Because mm, I've yeah. noticed I haven't had a lot of success at range on running targets. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you really just, if you treat it like a mini, it works out pretty well. So, yeah, not a lot more to say about that. I just think the QBU is a great weapon. I think it is a really great addition to Sandhawk. I think it's it's pretty lethal on Sandhawk because they're usually not super far away from people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the kind of weapon where, like, I think it would be a little less relevant if it were on Miramar, for example. Because even though it is good at range, you know, I think that where it really shines is in that, like, two to 300 meter range. Mm. just because the bullets are so fast Mm -hmm. and they do enough damage where like if you just tap off a few quick shots like at 200 meters i think you can really down someone quickly with it yeah it's a good point it's and it's good to remember that the dmr class generally has less bullet speed drop off as well so again better for range yeah all right so i think that's a good challenge of the week is just to double double up on the qbu <laughs> nice yeah i like it i'll i'll go with that too we'll see what happens all right you and i arjuna have been dropping a lot at the paradise resort Seems we've moved on from boot camp a bit. Yes. Yes, indeed. We have been finding some fun patterns here, some kind of counterintuitive ones, too. So Paradise has been basically one of my favorite places to drop ever since this map came out. Mm -hmm. And I only like it more the more I go there. Let's just give a brief overview of it. It's in kind of like the northeastern portion of the map. It's on the the big island. Mm -hmm. And... It is essentially a square layout, and it's got buildings on each cardinal direction, uh, north, east, south, and west. Mm -hmm. And then it's got this courtyard in the middle with a water feature in the middle of that. Right, and with an elephant sculpture. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so there are a lot of different places to drop here. There's also, there's a house to the north, and then there's also a warehouse to the southeast. I mean, first of all, it's, I'm sure you already know this if you played Sandhog, but it's a pretty hot drop. It's one of the hotter drops on the map. Mm -hmm. And for good reason, because it's just, I find that of all the places I've fought on this map, this feels like the most, like a set piece. It feels like an action movie. Hmm, with Chuck Norris. Yeah, oh, definitely a Chuck Norris yeah. movie. Yeah, except I, I rarely come out of Paradise Resort feeling like I was Chuck Norris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, man. We had a lot of good rounds there. You that's should feel true. that way. No, that's true. We did. Yeah. So the northern and the western buildings on this map are similar. They're like these two-story kind of apartment buildings. Yeah. Is what they're like. Yeah. They're like hotel rooms. Right. Basically. Yeah. They, they do feel like retreat dorms, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just call those the dorms, maybe. Okay. The dorms, dude. And then to the east is this really popular building that feels more like where you would get breakfast. And yes. And there might be a slideshow at some point during the day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It has a bar The and main stuff. hall, we'll call it. 
yeah it's pretty it's a fun spot but maybe a little overcrowded mm. on the drop and it's got a balcony that overlooks the courtyard yeah which is a popular drop spot i found a lot of people like to aim for that balcony mm-hmm. i like to aim for it yeah i think it's good i would say one of the main differences between this building and the the dorms as we're calling them is that that open floor plan and that flowing nature and it has like a big entrance to the east and so you're a lot more likely to get snuck up on or to have someone get an angle on you here Mm -hmm. you have to be quicker on your toes you have to get a gun yeah (laughs) you do have to get a gun there are some rooms in that building that can offer some cover but only on the west side by the on the courtyard side of it yeah but other than that yeah it's a really open floor plan it makes me feel too exposed i don't like mm. to drop there really mm-hmm. i remember this is kind of how it started is when we started dropping there you're like oh let's drop east and we did that a couple times and just kind of like got eaten up yeah if you're confident that you're going to be the first person on the ground then that's a good spot to go right otherwise probably not yeah but i just i find it to be a really fun place to fight one of the reasons i've stopped landing at the dorms which i used to do more is that they're just they're kind of cramped they're small there aren't that many ways into and out of them Mm -hmm. and so i've often found myself feeling like the fights in there aren't very interesting and also feeling sometimes like i get stuck in them Mm-hmm. And the loot is, it's not that great inside the buildings. Like, you're much more likely to get kitted up running around outside mm-hmm. or running in, running around in that eastern building. Eastern building, yeah. Yeah, or even, you know, so we haven't talked about the southern part. Exactly, now. yeah. Those are those feel like dorms as well, right? Well, but they're, they're single story. Right. And I found that the loot in that section is generally pretty good. I agree with you. I, I think the South does feel better looted. Yeah. And and something else that's unique about the South is that it's not directly bordering the courtyard like right. the other buildings are. Mm-hmm. There's this maybe 10, 12 foot tall concrete structure that has landscaping in it. So like up on top is a yard and it's about 20 feet thick, 10 feet tall. It's a It's a big buffer. You can get on top of that. Um, I haven't done that a whole lot, but I'm pretty sure you can. Right. And I haven't really seen anyone else do it either, which is kind of surprising now that I think about it. Yeah. I mean, there's no loot up there, but you could definitely get looted and go up there and kind of have an overview of the whole section. Huh. That's a yeah. good idea. I don't know why I haven't thought of that before. I've, I have done that before. There are actually a number of places at Paradise where you can, like, climb up onto the walls. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, there are some rocks that you can climb up onto on the northwest corner. Mm-hmm. And there are just a lot. There's so many angles here. So many angles. Mm-hmm. So you really have to keep your eyes peeled. You have to keep your head on a swivel when you land here. Because, you know, people could be across the courtyard. They could be on the walls. They could be around outside. There's a lot of times people will leave the resort and flank around the outside of it and kind of come in like rotate in on a different side of it right yeah i've noticed that the the streamers i watch really like running around on the roofs and on the walls yeah Mm -hmm. right so i see fuglet do that a lot i think i've seen shroud do that a lot yeah it's just kind of like the the unexpected advantage Right. right just attacking from an angle that people aren't immediately thinking about yeah so yeah there's just a lot of opportunity to do that here and i recommend trying it out it's really fun so us talking about all of these other places or these places there i feel like it's been it's kind of a build up 
in some ways i'm i'm talking about the places that i no longer want to go <laughs> <laughs> and if if people people might find a pattern here because last week if people remember our favorite i don't know if it was last week but if people remember um the favorite spot we like to drop at boot camp they might be able to infer what we're gonna say is an interesting spot for us right now i don't know if i'm gonna call it my all-time favorite yet but at the resort me and arjuna have been having some luck small sample size but some good luck dropping in the courtyard right yes. in the middle mm-hmm. which seems counterintuitive because it's in the middle but the thing about this this location is that people drop and there's like a donut of action around yes. the courtyard and people are looking along the donut because people tend to rotate around the middle like the the traffic flow is from building to building to building and if any action's happening around the middle it's actually from building to building across the middle nobody's really watching the courtyard because it would be really stupid to go there (laughs) however because like it's so stupid it's smart is the thing yes (laughs) i agree it's kind of one of those do the unexpected things Mm -hmm. so it's basically you're zigging when everyone else is zagging and you can get away with it and there's a lot of loot in the courtyard yep uh, and there is some cover. So, like, if it starts to get hot, you can actually jump into the water in the middle. There are some pillars. There's that big statue. Yeah. There are, like, small... Wait, is there, like, swimmable water? Uh, that's a good question. No, I think I it's just know. pool. It's just, like, shallow pools. Yeah, but I don't think that you can shoot when you're standing in it. I think no. it's deep enough. Really? That's... I uh, don't think so. I'm surprised I can't remember this. No, no. It's shallow. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. There you go. Because it's a spawn location, too. I think we would have... Like, it's often, like, a lobby location. That's true. I don't think there's any swimming. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's got a surprising amount of cover. I mean, between the elephant sculpture and then... It has these little kind of partitioned buildings, meaning it's, like, two-walled structures. Yeah. Right? Like, not a full four-walled structure, but just two walls are up and a roof. And me and Arjuna got totally pinned down by somebody in the main hall on the east. They were up on the balcony, just like, Arjuna's, like, taking fire. He's, like, laying down behind a concrete structure in the middle. And I'm trying to take pot shots at this guy. And it we were doing this for, like, 60 seconds, and the guy finally got flanked and killed. Yes. <laughs> yep, inevitably. So... I don't know if we could extrapolate for that to say that basically if if people if you can hold your position and and use the cover you have maybe they'll get flanked. I don't know. Like <laughs> they're going to usually have high ground on you is the the main disadvantage to being mm. in courtyard and there's not a lot of cover that allows movement in inside of it. I don't know. I'm still I'm still feeling it out, but I like it so far. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. It's just like a, it's a way to attack on a different angle. There's a lot less of this getting killed immediately after you land business that happens. It, it in the hasn't courtyard. happened to me. Actually, it did, but I got I got cover and got revived. So nobody else drops the courtyard. Yeah, try it out. Just try it out. See how it goes. I think like so many things in this game, it's surprising that it works, but it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I would say is that. I would never assume that you're safe here even when you feel like you've cleared it. Like every game that I've ever had where I dropped at the courtyard, I feel like there were always waves of people showing up from other places. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of a magnet. 
So, like, mm-hmm. if you and your squad clears courtyard and you're like, oh, I'm going to go into loot mode and going to go into relaxed mode, mm-hmm. there's a good chance you're going to get owned by someone else showing up. Yeah. So, just, you know, keep an eye out for that. It's, yeah, it's just classic PUBG mentality. Just kind of assume that every room is going to have some camper. Yeah. Yeah, there, and there are a lot of great opportunities to camp here. So, it's it's a bit more susceptible to that than your average place i would say Mm -hmm. so that's paradise give it a shot robin let's move on to our main topic here (laughs) The grab bag we just have a couple couple things that we want to hit on which are just yeah. thoughts that have been kind of kicking around in our minds yeah lately so the first thing i wanted to jump into is just some further thoughts on islands of nine and i watched some fuglet actually hold on hold the phone fuglet speaking of fuglet just did a face reveal oh schnapps did you watch it arjuna i did so i watched it it's like one minute I was, like, really emotional when I saw this oh, face really? reveal. I, like, my tear ducts were tingling a little wow. bit. I didn't full-on cry, but I there was some tingling. <laughs> and... You got verklempt. I've been watching this guy's videos for, I don't know, going on a year, probably. Yeah. And I just, you know, generally like his content, like the guy, from what I can tell, and... It was really cool to see him, like, do the face reveal, which I really didn't think would be a big deal for me, and I haven't been anticipating this whatsoever. It just, like, hasn't been important to me. But I just found it to be really authentic and in a very, like, refreshing way to see someone in the gaming community just be, like, really authentic Mm. um, about what ended up being kind of, like, a personal moment for him. Mm Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend watching that. If you guys are Fuglet fans, you probably have already seen it. But if you haven't, check it out. Yeah, it's kind of a thing. Like, people have been asking him for a face reveal for a while. He streams without a cam. I think, actually, his his uh, supporting members get a cam. Like, if you subscribe to him. Really? Yeah. Or at least at one point he was doing that. But, yeah, I think, like, for the general public, and especially, you know, he's got over a million followers. No, that's not true. Not a million. But he's got, like, 20, you know, 250,000 followers on YouTube or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. None of those people have seen his face. So, it it was a big deal, I think, for anyone who's been a Fuglet fan for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think it was especially... I think it was vulnerable for him anyway, just because, you know... I'll say this, like... So I've been a content creator for this game for, you know, a little over six months now. And there have been times when people have asked me, like, hey, you know, what do you look like? Post a picture of you or whatever. And I have to admit that it is a little vulnerable Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to explain exactly why. There's something about the way that you look tends to be kind of privileged information. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, you know, if someone Googles you, they might find a picture of you from your Facebook or something like that. But I feel like, you know, when when you have thousands of people who are 
or you know in Foglet's case like millions of people mm-hmm. who are watching your, your stuff all of the time it's like it's a different thing it's like if you meet some random person or if someone hears your name in your friend group or something and then they look you up on the internet it's just not really that likely to happen but when there's just like a lot like thousands of random strangers out there who are looking at you and seeing who you are and knowing your identity uh there is something kind of vulnerable about that Mm -hmm. so you know it's kind of a vulnerable thing to do anyway and i think for him he was particularly sensitive about it just for his own personal reasons and he's also had like a something going on with the skin on his face like he's got some rosacea some kind of redness on his skin Mm -hmm. um so i think that that also made him feel a little sensitive anyway i just want to give him props absolutely i i I actually commented on the video and was just like super proud of you like thanks for the really authentic video you know you know and the main thing is that he's doing it he he did it because he wants to start he felt like it was holding him back not to Mm. and he wanted to start going out to events and you know interacting with people on a personal level at those and you know i could see there being a lot of pressure for him around that if he hadn't revealed his face online so yeah it was it was just really cool to see him like confront that and put it out there yeah it's unfortunate you know i think that like the way we look it's one of the i think it's one of the things i like about the gaming community is i really don't think about it and I think that we all have a little bit of bias in us um, when we meet someone attractive or someone not attractive or whatever that like that in, that it plays into how we perceive them, whether we we want that to happen or not. And I th- I like that generally the virtual world is is pretty free of that. Mm, um, yeah. And that it's not really something. It's not a factor usually. Right. So like I don't the people we play with on our Discord. Yeah, I don't have a clue what they look I like. I don't either, and I actually <laughs> intentionally avoid it. Ah, uh, okay. Like, people yeah. have, have, like, f- Facebook friended me and stuff, and I don't look at their profile. Like, I... D- <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I mean? I just... I kind of just want to, like, have them... Maybe I should. I don't know. But for some reason, I, I like not knowing. Well, especially since I feel like those of us who choose gaming as our main hobby, I think it's not always that we're more introverted people. But I do think there's a correlation there, you know? Like, if you're really... If you spend a significant amount of your free time gaming, uh, I think there's a reason for that. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. No? I don't know if I... Yeah. I'm just thinking of myself and some of the other vociferous people we play with. Uh Uh-huh. Thinking, uh, not... Maybe Rainmaker... (laughs) (laughs) well he's just he's anomalous on every vector you can imagine he's a he's a walking enigma that guy true yeah i don't i guess i don't know i I think generally that might be somewhat true but definitely not a solid rule yeah no yeah not not a rule Mm -hmm. but it's just something that i something that i've noticed so anyway well let's talk about islands of nine all right all right all right (laughs) (laughs) all right so i was watching foglet the early days playing Islands of Nine, and the, I noticed some things that I didn't notice when I played it. Again, back to the observation thing. When mm. I'm watching somebody else play, I notice things. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I noticed is that when he was launching or jumping off of cliffs, that he could ADS. Mm. Yes. Big deal, right? Because you can't do that in PUBG. 
And yeah, mid-air ADS is huge. Yep, it's awesome. It definitely helps make the game more fluid and arcadey, mm-hmm. which I think is a plus. I mean, not it, not that every game has to be that way, but it's it's a nice contrast mm-hmm. to PUBG. Also, I was watching Fuglet like storm someone with an AR, and then like had really brief cover behind a tree, and they were like ten feet away, and he switched to a shotgun, which. In PUBG, doing something like that is very well a death move. Mm. In that, once you decide to switch your weapons, you have about a full second of dead time where you're mm. just a sitting duck. Yeah. And hopefully you keep your cover. But the switch in Islands of Nine was so fast that it was pretty much negligible. Mm-hmm. And I think it would actually, it's going to be a challenge for me if I play more of this game to get used to that. And yeah. to train myself like, hey, it's actually okay to switch weapons right now to mm. to the more ideal choice. So it's kind of cool. It's it's fun to think about, say, um, doing the sniper, like take a shot with the sniper and then switch to an AR and spray mm-hmm. combo. Like that is so much more viable in this game than it would be in PUBG, which people still do a lot of in PUBG. But you could do it at like medium range in this game, and it wouldn't. It's not going to be much of a cost yeah. to switch weapons casting of everything is fast like everything's faster health casting when you do the little like syringe to health up that's how it works in this game there's like a little syringe and there's a bigger one i don't even remember what they're called but nanomed nanomeds thank you yeah yeah and they cast super quickly and you can cast them while running yeah that's something that i i hadn't actually tried i think i'm so conditioned in PUBG right that i just have to stand we like still. stop and crouch and t- <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but uh. and i gotta say that i've noticed in general about this game that you're right it's like you can do everything at all times, and it really changes the flow of the game. Um, actually, in a way that I have to admit, last play session I had it was starting to annoy me. Like, for example, I'm really conditioned to playing these kind of these battle royale games like PUBG. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember there was this game, Robin, you and I were playing with another Discord member, and we were we were on this hill by these rocks, and this squad was pushing us. And all three of us did the very PUBG thing to do, which was we all like crouched behind these rocks, (laughs) you know, and we were doing this very like PUBG kind of duck and weave defensive kind of maneuver. Uh And this squad, they just fucking ran down the hill and killed us. They just like, they just bunny hopped down the hill and and shot us down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They just put us down. And it's it's something that I've noticed as I play more of this game is that it's it, it is kind of got that like Unreal Tournament thing going on where like you see someone you chase them down you kill them, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it's I think it's fun if you if you want a fast game with a lot of action, right? But I I kind of felt it it reminded me about some of the things I like about PUBG, which mm. is like. You know, you can't you can't do stupid ballsy stuff like that in PUBG and expect to get away with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like people in cover have such an advantage. People standing still, you know, steadying their weapon and ADSing have such an advantage. Yeah. And in this game, it's just like you know, I can bunny hop and ADS and run, and all my bullets will still hit. Right. So there's just there's no incentive really to hold a strategic position. There's a lot more of this run and gun. 
and even if you're at a strategic position, it's more of a strategic area where you're like running around. But pretty much, it seems like full frontal assault is the way to go in this game. Yes, like like fuck rotating, just fucking aim and shoot. Like that's it. it. It's kind of funny because I find myself really craving a deathmatch mode in this game. Yes, like, that is actually what I want to do in this right. game is deathmatch. And- <laughs> Like, given the mechanics and the movement and the, just the speed of things, I just really want to deathmatch people and just right. respawn, have, like, a couple of guns already, run around the map, pick up more, and shoot people. Like, totally uh-huh. unreal. I just want this game to be unreal. Yeah. <laughs> well, me too. Like, I think a lot of people have noticed that the the lobby waiting deathmatch is, like, some of the f- most fun they have in this it's game. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little frustrating because you start with pistols yeah you gotta work your way out yeah but i i totally agree i tend to have more fun in that mode and i just wonder like i wonder if they're gonna incorporate more of that like for example i actually think the idea of like a 50 person massive map deathmatch mode sounds really fun to me you know Mm -hmm. like i think that that's kind of an unexplored territory and Mm -hmm. something that this game is really well designed to do i think it's something that battlefield is actually is is the best comparison Mm, okay right yeah because they have slightly larger maps and they have a lot of deathmatch game modes and yeah yeah but it's definitely i i wouldn't say that battlefield feels arcadey yeah in the way that not in the same way that this game is um it feels kind of arcadey compared to PUBG. definitely um it's definitely not i wouldn't say arcadey it's further in that direction on the spectrum than PUBG, but yeah less so than islands of nine it's also one of the reasons i really like PUBG is that i feel like a lot of games in PUBG have a narrative arc right so a lot of games in PUBG are like a story you're like I dropped here, and then I went there, and then Mm -hmm. I got in this really interesting cat and mouse with this guy, and I eventually prevailed. And then I caught a, you know, I got a crate, which changed my gameplay. And then I did this, and I got a chicken dinner. And it's like (laughs) each chicken dinner is like a really memorable series of events. All right, all right. You know? I think that maybe my problem... Go ahead, go ahead. And I was just going to say, in Islands of Nine, it feels a bit more like what you were talking about with COD or something, where it's like... You know, I dropped and I got weapons and I shot a bunch of people and then I did it again. Yeah. You know, like it's just uh, maybe it's, it's, there's less vehicles, the maps are smaller, the complexity of the encounters is narrower. I think these all lend to it being, uh, you know, I mean, more of an action game. There's more yeah. fragging. Yeah. It's faster. So if if that's something that you've been hungry for when you're playing PUBG, then I think it's great. Mm-hmm. But I think this kind of like cinematic, tense atmosphere laden story driven kind of gameplay is definitely still more in the PUBG arena. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I feel like if it's gonna be a battle royale, I really want it to have prone. Yes. Right? Yes. I agree. And also maybe part of the reason I'm wanting Deathmatch and less of the narrative game arc that you were talking about is that I haven't won yet. maybe so i haven't really had any great stories i've gotten a lot of second and third places yeah and i have yet to win actually Mm -hmm. i think i did win one squads but i died early so like Mm. basically my squad won squads you know (laughs) yeah and so yeah i'm definitely like eh, like no interesting stories yet i just want to use the guns and shoot people 
Yeah, I I think it's a good game, and I like that it's attacking on a different vector than PUBG does. Mm-hmm. But I just will say it hasn't caught my heart yet. Mm-hmm. It's like I like this game. I have fun playing this game. I will play it if like my friends are playing it. Mm-hmm. But I don't love it. You know, I don't think about it when I'm away from my computer. You know,、yeah. I don't like. I don't lie in bed at night, like thinking about how I want to get better at this game. Yeah, it's it's a diversion. It's like what games used to be for me. It's just like you know, a fun thing to do in my free time. Yeah, you're right, man. I think you're right. I think this isn't gonna like capture the zeitgeist of this like gaming moment or like have a huge culture around it in the same way. Which、yeah. which makes me really want to. I've stepped back a little bit from PUBG. And really, just appreciated the game. <laughs>、mm-hmm. I know we've in the last couple of months we've had a lot of kind of like downer mood about PUBG, <laughs> and then the last couple of weeks I'm feeling so good about PUBG. I don't、yeah. know what it is. I think part of it is like some hardware upgrades I've done, but also I went back and I watched Shroud's first game of PUBG. It's like a 30 minute video, and is、oh, a full of games、that. in it. Yeah, going back and seeing what PUBG was like back then. And seeing him figure things out and kind of remembering what it was like for me to start, it was like, wow, this game has come a really long way. And there's some things when we compare it to AAA titles that we say are kind of janky, but it's not a perfect game, but it's fucking awesome. Like、yeah. the the way that that it captured us, just it speaks so much, and that is still capturing us is is pretty Im- impressive to me. Agreed. Yeah, there's more to PUBG than meets the eye. Do you want to transition into your topic about your hardware upgrade? Very briefly, yeah. Mostly because I'm still the jury is still out on what this upgrade really means for quality of life for、yeah. me and and gaming. So so tell us where you were and where you are now. Okay, so I changed two things about my setup in the last week, which is I got a new video card. I used to have a 1060. An NVIDIA 1060 three gigabyte、mm. graphics card. Now I have an NVIDIA 1080 eight gigabyte graphics card. Yeah, which right there, that should be a massive upgrade, right?、Mm-hmm. It is, and at the same time, it's not free of hiccups.、Mm. Okay. So, and I have. It's a new card. I'm still figuring out how I can tweak it, how I can use it. But there's there's two changes I made at once, so it's really hard to compare the before and after. Because not only did I upgrade the card, I also upgraded my monitor, and it's kind of a big deal because I upgraded resolution from、mm. 1080p to 1440p. Yeah, that's a huge leap, right? Which I did the math, and it's like 80% more pixels. I was 80%. 80%. Whoa! So yeah, it's right around 80% more pixels. So that's eighty percent more pixels that my graphics card has to paint, and I'm not sure. I don't really know how to do the math on that in terms of whether or not this card is an eighty percent more graphics card than a ten sixty three gig. I mean, RAM wise, clearly it's more than that, three versus eight. But in terms of the processor, you know, I'm not sure how revealing the benchmarks really are. And so I've definitely had some like really good two or three hour sessions that were very pretty and smooth with PUBG. Like I felt, 
I feel like there have been sessions like that in the last few days where I'm like, wow, this is like exactly how I wanted to experience this game, where I only notice frames dropping maybe a couple of times an hour and very briefly. And mm-hmm. beyond that, it's really smooth and looks good. And I feel like when I'm doing any quick aiming and things like that, that I'm not having to guess about where my target's going to be. Another thing to mention is I've been dropping on the flight path, like in the middle or in the last half of the flight path in order to avoid as much desync as I can. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's something I would recommend just for anyone, no matter what their graphics card setup is, because desync eats at everybody, no matter what kind of system you're running. So anyway, I, it looks a lot prettier. I really, when it works, it works. When it doesn't, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm getting 40 frames a second and I just spent about a hundred bucks, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. what did I do? That's, that's hard to swallow. Right? And so it's the disappointment, man, is like really low when it's low, but when it's good, I feel really good. So mm. it's, it's weird. It's really weird. I want to do some benchmarking over the next week and, and maybe have some more data. I still have the old graphics card, so I might actually swap them in and out and do some testing there. And maybe try to run it at 1080, mm-hmm. uh, at 1080p, right? I'm using the 1080 card on 1080p resolution and, yeah. and see if that makes a huge difference. I'm sure it will. And I think that's the thing is that if you are using your 1080 card to at 1080p, you know, that card will eat, I think, just about any video game for breakfast at that resolution. Yeah, I think you're right. And so I think one of the big questions that this raises is, is 1440p really viable for like hyper competitive games, you know? Mm. Because that was the question I had to answer when I put my rig together mm-hmm. about eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the conclusion I came to was that, you know, 1440p gaming was just not in my price range. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm still not really convinced that it's like really a thing yet, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, man. At this point, I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think that it, it really depends on your priorities whether you want a game to be pretty or performant. Yes, that's and true. I want both. <laughs> right. <laughs> I really have appreciated how pretty this game looks. And even at lower settings, I have most things set to low and medium. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like, what, what are your detailed settings and have you bumped them up from uh, your previous I did setup? at first and then I dropped everything to low and medium except... For view distance, yeah. I kept high, and anti-aliasing is at ultra. Okay. Which is mostly what Wacky Jackie recommended. That's I pretty much took that straight yeah. from Wacky Jackie. Anti, you know, anti-aliasing at ultra is pretty... That's pretty heavy. I could see that giving you a pretty substantial but performance it, it's there, right? beautiful. There. <laughs> I didn't realize how, how big of a factor that was. Yeah. And so... And, and Wacky Jackie goes over this in his um, settings video that he just did recently. Mm. But I noticed that, especially along vertical edges, say like a, you're looking at the corner of a building, and if you, say, move your player, like the view a little bit, when you move the... It looks like there's crawling ants on the edges of a lot of the vertical parts or even horizontal parts because they're lining up along the grid of the pixels on the screen. Right. And... It makes the image look really busy in terms of movement. And so what you're doing is your eyes are looking for movement to try to detect a a player. And there's 
20 little places where there's all these little pixels crawling around on the edges of stuff. Mm-hmm. And your eyes are likely kind of like, or, or actually your, your brain, your, your secondary visual cortex is literally just like ignoring most subtle movements because there's too much to take in. And therefore you might be missing player movement at that point. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of, for me, the single most important visual setting at this point and the game just looks really good once it once it is at ultra and granted i just went through that uh, resolution upgrade too and even with medium and low settings on all the the details and textures and stuff like that it looks really good and Mm. and i actually did i think textures are at medium for me which is kind of the lowest i'm willing to tolerate because like texture just means a lot to me i just i can't do without like somewhat pretty because the low textures in this game look really bad yeah they just me. look kind of muddy and blurry yeah and blotchy mm-hmm. yeah i agree you know i think you bring up a really good point that there's like all of these different places in the game settings where you get to see what your priorities really are mm-hmm I definitely noticed for myself, like when I got my system and I was trying it at 1440 on my 2K, uh, sorry, on my 4K monitor, um, I did notice that, that yeah, the, the higher I bumped the resolution, the just the better the game looked in general. And I could get away with lower graphic settings because I was at a higher resolution. Mm-hmm. But you definitely learn where your breakpoints are. Like I tried with no anti-aliasing, it was just like too ugly for me. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't even do it. And mm-hmm. as soon as I turned it on, like even to a low setting, it was like, oh, thank God, this yeah. is so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I'll be interested to hear about is you trying to play at 1080p on your 1440p monitor. A lot right. of people say that that is a really ugly combination. Huh. I did it with Rainbow Six a little bit yesterday, mm-hmm. and it looked fine. Okay. But once you go 1440, it's, <laughs> it's like, hard to go back. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'm definitely going to try it for the sake of science with PUBG, but I bet I'm going to do it for like three or four games, get, get some kind of benchmark, and go right back to 1440. <laughs> So this is bad, right? Because I just kind of locked myself into a 1440 setup, which means if I want it to have a high frame rate with pretty settings, I might end up having to buy into, say, the 1080 Ti 11 gigabyte card, um, which might not be a bad thing because I got a good deal on this card. And I bet the prices are going to keep dropping for this series, the 10 series of NVIDIA cards. And I might end up getting a good deal on one within a couple of months anyway. So I'm like kind of open to that at this point. (laughs) Even though I just upgraded, we'll see. But it's definitely a good time to be watching the market if, if you're thinking about upgrading your graphics card. Graphics cards are pretty cheap and they're probably going to get cheaper over the next few months so yeah especially since the cryptocurrency boom has kind of died down a bit yep well yeah thanks for that update it's kind of a foundational part of all of this that we don't talk about that often but you know i like i like dipping my toe in there from time to time Mm -hmm. so yeah thanks for the deets you bet i'm still learning a lot about this benchmarking and performance stuff so i'm hoping to learn more and maybe talk about it more over the next couple of weeks a little bit yeah so All right, well, that covers our episode for today. Let's see, I'm assuming that we're going to be on the same custom schedule this upcoming week. Is that right? Yes. Okay. 
So yeah, so we'll be doing customs on Monday and Tuesday at mm-hmm. 6 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah. And hopefully I'll actually get to run them this week. They had like they had like the weirdest time server maintenance. Yeah. I feel like PUBG Cov likes to hose North America. <laughs> Just like no fun for you. <laughs> Oh, man. Last week, we ended up merging with Drop Zone on yeah, Monday night. that was a lot of fun. It was super fun. We had way more people combined, and it was really fun playing with them, and we might end up doing something like that again this week on Monday. Yeah. So, if you come to our, our Discord and no one's there, check the chat. We probably went over to Drop Zone, or maybe we'll be hosting them this week. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes it's nice to just sit back and let someone else handle the games, you know. Yeah, but I don't want to make them do it. If we could, we could alternate. We yeah, could yeah, all. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Drop Zone—they're another PUBG podcast. They're very cool. Um, they also have a thriving community, so you can just look them up. And if you want to get more involved with our community, you can join our Discord, and link for that is in the show notes and on our website. And it's really hopping. Our Discord's really hopping lately. Mm-hmm. It's been picking up. People now have chat contests to level up in there because we've got like a, you know, it's like gamifying the chat where the more messages you send. I should join that. I don't know if there's not really anywhere I can go, I guess, since I'm already admin or whatever. But. Well, you're, I mean, you have already achieved the highest yeah, level. Yeah, I have no incentive, Arjuna. You have to incentivize <laughs> but, me. But you are you are still in the contest, so you'll have, like, an additional designation okay. as well. I don't know what Maybe you are. Maybe should. It's, it's just, the only time I think of it is during work hours. Yeah. And I don't want to do it during work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. The reclusive, elusive North American Robin. <laughs> can be found only in the voice channels and not in the chat channels. Pretty much. Yeah. Discord, it's cool. It's groovy. Come join. We also have a subreddit. We have an Xbox club. Search for that. The winner winner Xbox club. You'll find it. Run by the very capable Stop Collaborate and Heinze06 or Backdraft. And we have a Patreon, which we've been banging on about lately. And uh, it's a nice way to throw a few bucks our way, help us buy our equipment and pay for our bills and stuff like that. Robin, tell us about the music on this episode. This episode, we have it done by Stiffy... No. Spiffy Man. Spiffy Man. <laughs> Stiffy Man's next Edit that episode. Out. <laughs> this, the music this week is done by Spiffy Man, whose music I'm really digging. Just heard it for the first time today from Arjuna, and I'm super stoked that he's letting us use it for the podcast. So Yeah, that's really nice of him, and, and you know, we'll, we'll give him a little time in the limelight, and then we'll hopefully be featuring some other music so just stay tuned and let's let it run this at the end of this episode so um you know Uh, yeah just just uh after we stop talking just kick back relax and jam out to some spiffy man take it easy y'all we will catch you next week all right see you guys out there see you next week